Hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of Immortals. My name is Rishi Chaudhary, and I'm here with Ishan Chavadan, an executive coach and wellness expert who is also the founder of the Yoga of Immortals program. Mr. Chavadan, how are you? I'm very well, Mr. Chaudhary. I hope you are well as well. I'm awesome. Thank you. We're also here with uh, Hyder. Uh, Hyder grew up on the island of Mauritius, studied mechanical engineering in the UK, and now has been based in the US for the last three years working in construction. He is currently going through a career change to tech sales. His interests lie at the intersection of tech and manufacturing, everything industry 4.0, industrial, IoT, and so on. Hydrogy will be taking over this podcast today. With that being said, Hydrogy and Nishanji, take it away. Thank you for the wonderful introduction, Rishiji. Welcome, Ishanji. Thank you guys for being here and thank you for welcoming me on the podcast. So, you know, I do, I practice YOI daily and people often ask me what uh, YOI is and how it helps and especially how they can get started. So I tell them, you know, it's a lot of breathing movements with intention, emotion, and uh, it's life changing, of course. But for these people, is there a way to do a try before you buy protocol that I could perhaps do with them? Like, you know, five, 10 minutes, a good introduction that would be beneficial to them to at least get a taste of what it's like. Definitely, you could do that. And uh, I always see that People benefit. And uh, just yesterday, I was talking to uh, a gentleman who is studying at Harvard uh, Business School, and he was explaining to me that he did a very simple uh, YOI protocol that that he loves. And uh, as you have practiced a lot of YOI, you must have seen there's a lot of protocols and uh, everyone has their favorite and everyone has their nemesis, you know, the toughest protocol. So this gentleman, he had a favorite protocol and uh, uh, he just thought he'll share it with his friends. And when he did that with them, it was a small 40 minutes protocol and uh, everybody was blown away. They were all like James Bond's martini, shaken and stirred. And when they came out, they were feeling amazing. And uh, they asked him that uh, this is unlike any yoga that we've ever done. And uh, uh, his question was that, how come people do not understand the differences and uh, between YOI and all the other deep meditative art forms that exists? And why he was asking this question was because there are expectations. Whenever you're trying to do something, there are expectations. So generally when somebody is doing meditation, their expectations are, I'll feel a little bit more relaxed. I'll feel a little less stressed. I'll feel a little less emotionally constipated. And maybe there'll be some joy that comes out of this exercise. So the parameter is, is here. And when they do something like YOI, then they just blow through the finish line. They blow out of the stadium and they reach all the way to the moon. And they are like, we never even expected that would happen. And uh, I always motivate practitioners of YOI that uh, take your favorite protocol 
and try to practice it with your friends. And when they'll do that, they'll feel amazing and they'll feel uh, how great it is when you go into something without expectation and uh, you are blown away by the magic that happens. So I would suggest this, find your favorite protocol, find your friends and just get together. And uh, there are no prerequisites. There is nothing at all to be uh, alert and aware of. You just do the good work. Yes. That's great. I couldn't agree more. You feel so good. And, you know, coupled with a, a regular meditation, not regular, but a meditation practice where you are just sitting and breathing, it really, they amplify each other and complement each other so much. But yeah, so another question on the YAY is, is the accuracy of the movements, how important are they compared to the breathing, for example? The accuracy is important, but we have to understand uh, we are limited by our capacity. Because when we start to do something, our uh, especially I'm just talking about the physical movement, our muscles have their limitations, our tendons have their limitations, and even our cultural background may have limitations. Because if I ask somebody from Southeast Asia to do a few basic yogic poses like uh, sitting cross leg, you know, crisscross applesauce, it'll be much easier. And then I ask somebody uh, who's a veteran in North America, sit crisscross applesauce. It may be tough because they have done so much uh, power lifting, etc, etc, that the muscles are not built in the manner to be flexible. So in the beginning, I don't feel that a person should limit himself thinking that, oh my God, I am not accurate and uh, it's not happening the way it should. And the beauty of the YOI protocols are there's not a lot of physical movement in the first uh, few protocols. It's more based upon things that everybody can do. Everybody has the ability to meditate. Everybody has the ability to uh, uh, do those sequences uh, because they were designed in such a manner that they can help with preventative and promotive healthcare, they can help with rehabilitation. So anybody who's from the age group from uh, uh, five to 90 can do these exercises without worrying about uh, risk of injury or uh, any such risk whatsoever. And as the protocols progress, our body becomes much more prepared to do the intense and advanced protocols, but I would still like to say practice makes perfect and I do not uh, expect people to be extremely accurate at least for the first few months of the practice but uh, slowly as time progresses they become better and better. So um, accuracy in the beginning it, it, it does not matter but we slowly stride towards it. But I do get your question that Sometimes people are doing CrossFit and uh, uh, if their form is not right, you know, like doing a deadlift, if the form is not right, you risk injury. Uh, such a thing does not exist in the YOI protocols. Uh, whatever you do, it will help you. It won't help you as much as it could, but it will help you if your form is uh, not that great 
and when your form becomes amazing it will help you more so it is just a matter of little help more help extra help and there is no risk factor involved so i hope that answers your question yes yeah absolutely does that's great it's true it's uh, it's really practice makes perfect and if your intention is there to if your intention is there to do it well eventually you will get there within your physical limitations of course um so we often go over uh, visualization and intention and you know i've been a static for quite a long time now and i've never i i kind of always had this question in the back of my mind is could you so so when i visualize a person or myself uh doing something like uh, you know hitting the golf ball perfectly um sometimes i see it sometimes i don't and this might seem like a silly question but does that matter like if you see something in visualization you don't is your intention for it enough spoken like a true mechanical engineer <laughs> you know, there has to be a plan and there has to be a blueprint and there has to be a structure so the same visualization you are being so much um, precise about it but the thing about meditation is there is this great yogi and uh, he says sab kuch tera bhav re everything is emotion and he talks about uh, uh, his name was uh, shankaracharya and uh, there is a beautiful poem that he is written and in that poem he writes ratne kalpita manasa mahima jale stanancha divyambaram it's a beautiful sanskrit poem and in that he says that the master of the universe when i sit and meditate um, what can i offer you the only thing that i can offer you is my feelings is my imagination and so you create a flower so i can't just state what's yours and give it to you i will imagine something so beautiful and powerful and i'll give that to you so i imagine the most beautiful flowers i imagine the most beautiful jewels and gold etc etc and it's all about him imagining his feelings and i think that's what art is that's what creativity is imagining your feelings that's what poetry is imagining your feelings so when you are thinking about visualization so one is a very emotionless imagination that oh the ball goes but you know it goes here 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 and the moment you remove emotion from the imagination it's it's very dead it's stale and something that's dead it will decay so you are imagining something you're trying to hold on to that thought but because it's dead it will decay it's very difficult to hold on to a thought that doesn't have a feeling associated with it so if you are trying to imagine or visualize your golf you are trying to use that methodology in your practice try to meditate upon the feeling the feeling of the golf ball when it goes as a hole in one what is it that you are feeling and when that ball is going then it, the, the whole poetry comes into play now before even you have hit the ball 
you are connected to that feeling of whole in one so now you are not imagining the ball's trajectory you are imagining header and how header is feeling once the ball goes where it's supposed to go and then the imagination is much more powerful the visualization is much more precise and you can hold on to that thought in a much more detailed manner and this is what i learned when i was uh, uh, studying as a monk in the monastery that try to bring feeling into everything that you do the most mundane task try to feel with as much beauty as you can try to romance the mundane even something like gardening you can do it without feeling it's just a visualization oh i'll make a whole put on and one is feeling that you know i i make that whole thing very sensual i involve my senses into it so i'm feeling the mud with my fingers and i'm making that hole and i'm putting that seed and the flower is coming and the fragrance is there and i'm engaging my senses my neurons are flared up my body's ready and then when i do what i do it will have more power to it so visualization good without feeling yeah so try that please yes i will thank you thank you that that definitely clarifies it a lot oh it's important because uh, many times we you know we we don't have feeling and we read about uh, positive thinking and uh, all these books that are there that visualize your goal this that and you can try to do that it's happened with me many times you know uh, when i'm meeting with people who try to visualize and they're like uh ishan we 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 visualize you know positive things we read this book and it says visualize so we are visualizing that there's a rolls royce in our garage or rolls royce garage rolls royce garage and they say each time we visualize uh from inside a thought comes you are an idiot you are an idiot there's no rolls royce you are an idiot there's no rolls royce so you're fighting your mind but what we have to understand is uh the science of life is that there is a flow so a yogi a meditator goes with the flow of the universe what we called dhara you know the flow and a person who's just a, a a logical person or a person who just wants to dissect or a person who doesn't understand the emotion of it he will try to go against the flow and when you are going against the flow then mind is an adversary that you cannot defeat when it comes to logic it is called kutark kutark means any means necessary to win a logical debate and and you will see this many a times you are trying to debate with somebody and uh, they are just using any means necessary by hook or by crook to make their thought more powerful than your thought now imagine if you are doing the same battle with your own self you are saying to the mind rolls royce and the mind is saying you idiot there is no rolls royce so you are fighting with the mind but our brain has the cerebral cortex and then there is a segregation and then there is our limbic system and our limbic system it is said it, it takes care of our autonomous nervous system it takes care of our parasympathetic system so in a way emotions and the beautiful thing about emotion is whenever we create a wonderful emotion it 
overpowers our cerebral cortex, our logic. So emotion always trumps over logic. I'll give you an example. If you are afraid, that is an emotion. I'm, I'm afraid. And the fear can be illogical. I met a boy who said, I'm afraid of sharks. That's why I don't go swimming in swimming pools. And I'm like, what? You're afraid of shark and you're thinking a shark will come in the swimming pool. And he's like, yes, I don't know. The shark can come swim through the pipe and somehow come in the pool. You don't know, baby shark. And then it grows into papa shark. And then I'm thinking, how, how will that happen? But you know, his law. His emotion is overpowering all sensible logic that I can give you. And the same is with love. My mother thinks I'm the most beautiful boy in the world. And I know it's not true because if I was, then my life would have been so much nicer. But you know, it's her emotion. She projects her emotion and her emotion trumps any logic that exists. So a lot of the times in meditation, we are trying to develop this positive emotion. We are trying to create a positive, constructive emotion. And the more powerful it is, then it becomes our belief. And then we are empowered in such a manner that we can eradicate all noise. Think about it. Any scientist when he's uh, trying to discover something or invent something, there's so much noise. Maybe uh, a simple invention, a mechanical invention like what the Wright brothers did with their aeroplane. I'm sure there must be a lot of people telling them 1001 reasons logically why something is not possible. But they were so emotionally invested in their thought that they could drown out the noise, focus, and in the end, ultimately achieve their goal. Just like a lady who is afraid of the, the gentleman who's afraid of the shark in the swimming pool, you know, he drowns out all logic. He just connects to his emotion. But this is a negative emotion. Now imagine if we have created a positive, constructive emotion, then how beautifully we can finish and drown the noise around us. And the whole point is this, even if it is visualization or it is attaching emotion to visualization, drown out the noise, focus on the goal and achieve it in the best possible manner. But more than that, achieving it through your best possible self. Otherwise, what happens is that the noise affects us and we know we can do better, but we fumble. And that is the most uh, pathetic emotion. When we knew that we could do better, but we didn't. And then the guilt and shame comes into play and then the noise becomes louder and uh, emotion is now towards the negative. So now it is the negative emotion overpowering the logic. So rather than that, we sit, we meditate and we create a positive emotion. We imagine Heather uh, winning uh, whatever golfers win. I don't know what they win. Wimbledon. Uh, oh, that's tennis. I don't know. Something. What? What's golf like? What do you guys win? What's your World Cup? Uh, well, you play on the the PGA Tour, and there's some great golf courses. I, I'm nowhere near that level, and there's obviously a lot of money to be won in golf. Although I don't think that's why people play, but um, it's really being able. I mean, in my opinion, for most golfers, is being able to hit 
multiple good shots in a row, that's a big win already. Yeah, so, so feel you know, like hitting 18 holes in one, feel hitting one shot after another, feel that joy, that, that power, and then go for it. And I'm sure you'll be very, very successful. So yes, beautiful. And, I, I think so too, yeah. And money is good as well. Money is wonderful. I hope you win a lot of money. <laughs> It, it can help with some things, definitely. Um, I, I want to talk a bit about uh, gratitude and the, the power of gratitude, especially. And so in my meditations, I you know gratitude is something that I always bring back and feel and think. It helps me stay focused in my meditation, you know, connected. And to honestly just feel incredibly good. Is there anything else that can sort of enhance that connection during the meditation, like other than gratitude? Or is gratitude the holy grail? Gratitude is excellent. And then there is surrender. Surrender is when you are dropping all defenses. You are surrendering to that experience. I uh, remember I had gone to uh, seven flags, six flags, five flags. How many flags are there? <laughs> six flags. Six flags. <laughs> I'd gone to six flags, you know, and uh, we go to this roller coaster and I'm uh, with this veteran buddy of mine. And uh, I am being very macho, you know, because I'm thinking he's a vet and, uh, you know, I must try to act ultra masculine next to him, you know, because he's a vet. And then uh, uh, we go to a roller coaster and we are in the roller coaster and I'm trying my best not to scream. You know? mm -hmm. ah, it's just a roller coaster. It doesn't affect me. From inside, I'm going all wee, but outside, mm -hmm. nothing, nothing at all. It's, it's useless. Why did I pay? You know, and uh, and this guy, this veteran buddy of mine, he becomes a kid. He becomes this little child. He's throwing his hands up in the air. The moment there's a drop, he goes, wee, and then he goes down and he's laughing and he's happy. And then I realized that he's surrendered to the experience. He's allowing that experience to penetrate him. He's allowing himself to flow with it. And then I ask him that, uh, really, are you that scared that you are hooting and you are going, ah, so what's the point? And he said, see, when I was uh, in the war zone, uh, we didn't know if we would survive each night. So at that time, there was a thought that whatever moments we had to really invest with them, surrender to them and feel them as much as we could. So even when we would be eating our food, our MREs, you know, we would uh, really taste. And yes, it's cold. We didn't even have, have time to heat it. And it's whatever it is. But at that moment, we just surrender to the experience and it would taste so delicious. As if this experience is the only thing that exists. And there is no ego. There is no judgment. There is just surrender. 
and he thought he said that after uh, my deployment when i came back that thing came into everything that i did and now when i'm in that roller coaster why should i care about what other people think i want to be a child and i let my inner child come into play and this understanding is very very important learning to be a child learning to surrender and this has a deep psychological impact also because if we look at our process of birth when we were born we came out into the world crying you know in the mother's womb we were so happy we were content and suddenly we were pushed out and we don't understand what's happening and then this chaos and we are crying and then somebody cuts our umbilical cord and we have no idea and then somebody slaps our butt padak and we feel harass and the baby cries even more and then somebody puts tubes in our nose and we're like 5 minutes ago we were happy we were uh, in this tranquil space and now we are being probed penetrated slapped and we are in a state of chaos and then when the baby is crying somebody puts that baby in the mother's lap and the child surrenders and the moment he surrenders he is calm he is relaxed he is happy he feels safe and the trouble is in today's world rarely we have opportunities to surrender we don't let go when we are with our spouses you know we wear a mask and uh, we are still uptight what what do they say what do they mean what do they think or when we are uh, you know working we are always thinking that oh what will my boss say think trying to read between the lines always uptight so uptight that when we fart only dogs can listen it's it's just a way of living and if at the time of meditation we can just let go we can just surrender surrender to the self surrender to the universe surrender to the energies around us and then experience gratitude that surrender will bring great power and joy to even your gratitude and surrender is i i surrender to the power that's inside me you know just for this one moment i have no wants i have no judgment i have no projections i am ready to be i am ready to flow with the roller coaster when the roller coaster takes me up i am going oh when it takes me down i am going ah and and that's very important the more we can learn to do that the more we increase the quality of our life and the trouble is our subconscious knows this so we want to surrender but the trouble is this is happening in a state of unconsciousness so we are surrendering to movies so for example if we look at the superhero franchises the movies are becoming more ludicrous more uh, uh, unintelligent but we are still going why because we surrendered just like a devotee surrenders to his faith we have surrendered to our entertainment and we we don't care we are like okay just we sit there and we surrender whatever it is we will still go because we have a fomo that oh what if we miss out on something we surrender to technology now doesn't matter if if the phone is good or bad or you know uh, for example every time 
we get a new phone you know they are, we get a tech spec sheet that this is there that is there but in the end how does that bring quality to my life in fact now the cameras are so advanced i i hope they weren't so advanced because now when i look at myself i can see my you know my my puffy eyes i can see my uh, my whatever imperfections are there within me and i like earlier times when the cameras were you know they had an automatic filter inside them and it is crazy our cameras the more advanced they become the more we invest in filters because we don't like the way we look then why make such advanced cameras you know we would have been happy with the nokia n98 camera but but that is the perplexity the complexity the absurdity of the life that we are living we want to surrender and we are unconsciously surrendering but at wrong places we get into a relationship and we surrender and then we get our heart broken why because we wanted to we didn't know where to and that's why a yogi meditates rather than surrendering to external relations and commodities he surrenders to his inner self his emotions his love his passion and then he starts to feel a connection to the universe and the more he feels the more he surrenders to the universal flow of energies he starts to understand and recognize the patterns the flows and then it's easy to surrender once you are aware it is easy it's like a farmer who knows uh, the weather so according to the weather he plants the seed and then he waits he is joyous then he surrenders and then his surrender brings joy surrender without awareness is problematic imagine there is a farmer who doesn't know anything about the weather who doesn't know anything about which weather is best for which crop then he will put the seed but you know there's so much tension what is going to happen what is not going to happen but if there is knowledge and then the surrender is coming then how beautiful and perfect it is to be so if somehow you can add it into your life then i'm sure your meditation would be five star yes now she just can't let me to my my next question is and maybe it's for other people as well especially when you're beginning is when you meditate you know um sometimes you get an urge to like itch yourself and maybe get up and you get distracted by something and you maybe get a bit frustrated uh this is something that I hear a lot of other people who are beginning a meditation practice you know they can't sit still for more than 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 30 seconds um so what what is something that you could you know say to yourself while you're meditating to do that extra 5 minutes you know um just to get a little bit more out of it and of course surrender is great gratitude and how would you put that into practice you know uh i was reading a medical journal and uh, there was this very nice story that said uh, sitting is the new cancer and it talked about how uh, because of sitting all the time uh, there are a plethora of physical ailments that are being created cardiovascular diseases uh, musculoskeletal problems chronic pain etc etc 
uh, you know the, the the techie conundrum people who are sitting in front all the time of the computer you know the body is not that great and uh, if you look at the yogis that's what they are doing sitting and uh, sitting is the new cancer and just like a techie sits for hours and hours in front of his computer and that creates so much of problem a body is a body the same thing even the yogis must be facing because if you are sitting and meditating for hours and hours and hours it has to have an impact on the body the circulation etc etc and that is why if you will find in history all the yogis were martial yogis they used to practice martial arts so that they would master their body and then you sit in meditation because once you've mastered the body then it's not that tough then it's not so much itching so much scratching and this and that so in india we had kalari payat which was a very intense martial arts which made you master your body so we had a hand to hand combat we had a um, weapon combat we had uh, first the dull weapons in the form of sticks we had the sharp weapons in the form of knives and daggers and swords and we had uh, uh heavy weapons in the form of maces gadas and we had long range weapons in the form of archery so you are pushing your body to make it into much more powerful much more evolved than uh, it would be normally and then with that enhanced body you have the capacity to merit and we have to understand this the whole point of even the yoga the physical exercise the asan because people think yoga is asan uh, it's not it's a very small part it's like saying uh, america is burger it doesn't make sense yes burger may come out of america but uh, small small part or or saying mauritius is dodo Yes, Dodo is there, but uh, Mauritius has so much to offer. Mauritius has Paradi. Mauritius has, uh, uh, you know, Lamon. It has uh, what are the other wonder Grand Bay? That is a good beach. Lafayette. Lafayette, is, the best. Lafayette, the best. Uh, that is amazing. So you know, there's a lot. Not just the Dodo. And if somebody says Mauritius is Dodo. then they are the dodo because you know they don't know the, the wonder that exists so even yoga asan is a very small part of it and why the asans existed so that you could train your body to sit in better meditation so the asans complemented the meditation so i would suggest to you that if you want to follow the path of the yogis which is the meditative part then let us not pick and choose let us take the cumulative you know the sum total of the knowledge that they have uh, given us so if martial arts is your cup of tea then try to bring that into your life if yoga uh, the asana the postures is your cup of tea try to bring that in your life or the yoga of immortals advanced protocols try to bring them in your life and then when you sit and meditate you will find the body will listen you're saying 5 minutes 40 minutes is nothing and i see this if the body is prepped in the right manner 
and I do this a lot when I'm working with uh, healthcare workers uh, or corporates who have nothing to do with meditation. So I sit with them, I make them do these preparatory exercises and then I make them meditate and then I tell them to look at their watch. And these guys who said we can't sit for more than 30 seconds end up sitting for 45, 50 minutes and they're shocked. How did that happen? I said, there's a system. Understand the system. And if you can do that, then the body is our best friend. So definitely that will help. Great, 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 great. That's very exciting. Um, so I did, I did the level one of the YOI, and then the, and then through, through the level two when I was in, and then I was in Mauritius for a bit, and I, uh, my parents were doing the last one, so I kind of skipped a couple to do the last one with them, and I was like, hey, this one is like a little bit easier than the level two. The level two is it's hard you know it's it's intense on the body your muscles hurt everywhere for like weeks on end and then so my question and now I've, I've actually restarted the protocols and i was wondering for people who want to practice this regularly should they be repeating the three levels of stage one yoi is that is would that be good practice objective what's our objective so when I designed the system, I designed it in such a manner that a person can uh, first prepare his body, then master his body, then use his body for a deep meditative practice. So a person can experience and it's about goals. So if our goal is a meditative practice, then you know we go through the process and we focus on level three. But if our goal is to master the body, um, then we go to the level two. And many times when I'm working with athletes, I make sure that they focus more on level two, the intense, the you know the mastering of the body. And um, I leave it to the people. And I say, based upon your needs and your goals, you can choose the protocols that benefit you the most. But at the same time, the final, the last meditative, do not ignore that. Because that is something that will help you in every single aspect of your life. Just mastering your body, you know, after some time, it becomes irrelevant. Because uh, we don't need the fitness level of Hussein Bolt. Uh, what's the point of being at that level, of that peak performance all the time? Even elite athletes have their day offs and uh, you know they don't need to perform all the time 365 days a year you know they let the body recuperate and uh, there are ups and downs but one thing that we need always in our life is peace mental stability and the final protocol really focuses on that and that is the one that I said we must repeat again and again and again till the time we are alive because this is just um, a systems management. And if we don't do that, then we allow ourselves to be run down by the wear and tear that life can uh, bring. So do whatever protocol you like, but do not ignore the third one. Yes, it is easy, but it is probably the most important. Because your mind is the most important. Yes.
Thank you. <clears throat> so I have a, a last question. It's the surprise it's one. Yes. Kind of the surprise question. Yeah, that nobody's ever read <laughs> or seen. So this just this week, I watched a really interesting documentary on Netflix, and it's called How to Change Your Mind. And it's it's not about YOI. <laughs> Don't get too excited. But it's about the use of psychedelics in the medical field. So there's it's uh, especially to help people with PTSD, severe OCD, depression, addiction, behavior. And like the basis of the documentary is research that was done in the 50s, 60s, 70s, um, when some of these psychedelics were discovered in labs and then tested by psychiatrists and therapists and whatever other fancy is doctor names that I don't know. Um, but the results of the studies are were pretty astonishing, you know, incredible positive results. And it was really just, you know, a single dose or two doses in the medical environment. And these people had their lives changed, you know, and it, it was never more than that. It, I'm not, I'm, and I'm talking strictly, you know, medical use, not uh, recreational in the name of you know self medication, and now we're seeing states that are adopting these, uh, approving these methods to heal people. So, do you think that these drugs could help people with severe cases as part of a holistic approach to to healing? Like, I'm I'm curious about your your thoughts on it. See, uh, I come from a culture where. Uh... Herbs were used uh, by some uh, schools of thoughts to uh, understand or to help a broken mind. But the herbs were part of a process and not the whole process. And that is very, very important because nowadays what is happening is we are not respecting the process. But we are just focusing on the herbs. And why we are doing that is because capitalization. Uh, the first thing is always finding the herb. The second thing is always controlling the herb. And the third thing is monetizing the herb. So all these herbs, then they are controlled by a bunch of people. And then, you know, it happens what it happens. And even in the 50s and 60s, when the research started, it was promising. And then again, it wasn't something new. It wasn't something groundbreaking. It's something that people have done in cultures for millenniums. And, uh, but it, because the process wasn't respected, then suddenly, you know, it becomes a recreational thing and then it becomes a controlled thing and then it becomes a dangerous thing. And then the whole uh, process gets defecated upon by the narrative. And we have to understand that if we don't understand the process, we are playing with nature and then it is harmful. If we just talk about spiritual growth, evolution and healing and we use substances to open our mind, then those substances become like a ticket to that realm and you always need that ticket to enter that realm 
and again it's a capitalization you don't have that ticket you don't enter that realm and even if you enter that realm you are just a tourist you are not a citizen in of that realm and the yogis believed in citizenship they don't believe in tourism so anybody can uh, you know buy a ticket go to monaco go to mauritius enjoy lafayette take a deep bath you know go to the beach go to le mans swim with the dolphins witness a shark do some uh, you know kite surfing but that's it after your uh, high is are gone back to pavilion back to the basics and then again you need a tourist and then and then the trouble is then you fall in love with the realm and then you want to be there all the time all the time i want to be in that realm so you depend more and more on buying that ticket and then what happens if you fall in love with the realm and then you can't afford to buy the ticket anymore so you start stealing to buy that ticket etc etc you know i don't want to go in that because then i am the person who becomes part of the capitalization process so i believe in the citizenship you want that realm citizenship learn those yogic processes don't just pick and choose parts of that processes yes herbs were used yes these substances were utilized and uh, not all the time some specific cases but it was part of a larger process that could help them gain citizenship and what does citizenship mean that i can travel to that place whenever i want i can close my eyes and i'm in that realm and i know which realm it is but the trouble is if i'm just a tourist and i'm just buying a ticket then tourists always have the worst experiences even when they'll go to mauritius you know uh, we know we know that there are parts of uh, port louis where you you know or petit river noir or you know there are some places where you have to be a little bit careful not a lot but little bit careful because we know we've lived there but a tourist he doesn't know so he may fall into the tourist traps and the same happens you you take a trip and it could be a bad trip it could be a good trip you end up taking a trip to a bad realm and it becomes horrific rather than healing you don't know but if you are a citizen then you know you are working with a yogi who understands the process understands the medicines who has had millions of sorry hundreds of years or thousands of years to master the process then they will be able to guide you better they will be able to give you that experience that citizenship of that realm that you are looking for and yes western sciences are just scratching the surface of these herbs of these substances of the brain which yogis have had thousands of years to master so i would still suggest that buying a ticket can be dangerous not understanding the process can be extremely dangerous and falling into the trap of capitalism is interesting because imagine those yogis who have always had access now suddenly because of the capitalistic trap something becomes controlled now you know it, it is just a bit uh sad for the native 
methodologies because I believe a lot in the native sciences, maybe the Himalayan native sciences, the Indian native sciences, or even North American native sciences. I really believe in their in their systems and I processes. I respect them. I value them. I understand them. But uh, because of some idiot who doesn't know what he's doing, they dabble into it and then they think that they can control it. But you know, you just you just acted bad and you the flow of water you created an artificial dam and that affects everyone so to all the young people i would suggest rather than buying a ticket work upon citizenship the yogis are masters in this learn from them and then when you open the mind it won't be dependent upon something it will be on will and that will really really help but if we say that oh we want to try the micro dosing then you, know, you have to be dependent on somebody and then you know it's like they are the guys who will give you the fix and then they control the price they control the thing and then they control the purity they control you don't even know what you are getting into and i never like to go into something blind the yogis love you, they respect you, they care for you, and it is a healing process. So take it as a healing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. The The protocols and the meditation is what's going to take you to where you want to go, right? And maybe in that process, if you're hitting a stop and you don't know what to do, and may, maybe, you know, psychedelics could be a, a something that could help like it has been done in the past like you're saying it was part of a much bigger process but um yeah thank you so much very enlightening bless you so very happy to be with you and thank you so much for asking the questions and i hope and pray that you become very nice in golf so yes thank you so much <laughs> it was an interesting session i really enjoyed I really enjoyed. Thank you for giving me the time and the opportunity to be here. Lovely. Rishi, over to you. Uh, I want to thank both of you for coming onto the podcast. Uh, I this was this was different from the other podcasts, so I I think this will be a good episode. Um, so thank you to both of you to the audience. I hope you enjoyed. We hope you'll join us in the next episode of Immortals. Thank you very much and goodbye.